This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Do you think we're going to have a white Christmas? (laughs) Don't get your hopes up. (laughs) I've already looked at the forecast and it's not looking good. So don't get your hopes up. But maybe you're used to that already. You're used to not getting your hopes up. Because life has had a way of sucking the hope from your heart. And so for some of us here, we, we've lost hope because, you know, we feel forgotten. Maybe we've always felt forgotten or maybe invisible. That, that's how we felt growing up in our homes. We just felt like we were the, the invisible child. And it kind of seemed that way in school and relationships. Throughout our life, we felt like we were the forgotten person. And then even when we called out to God for help and rescue, he, he seemed to not answer our prayers. And so it seems like even God doesn't know our name. And so because of that, we look out in the future with fear. We don't know what, what the world has in store for us, what God is going to ask of us. And so for some of us, fear has sucked the hope out of our hearts. For others, um, for some of us, it's not necessarily that we think that God has let us down. We feel like we let God down. Maybe we've had a moral failing. We've done some things that we really regret. Maybe we've made a bad financial decision. Maybe we made a bad relationship decision. But for whatever reason, we feel ashamed. We feel like we don't measure up. We feel worthless. And so we've spent so much time trying to earn our value. We try to work so hard to give a good impression, to, to start off each day, to do something each day that's you know, Instagram-worthy try to earn our place in this world, to try to earn some value. But no matter how much we do, we still feel shame. And so for some of us, shame has sucked the hope out of our hearts. Finally, for others, some of us here, it's not so much we feel like God let us down or necessarily that we've let God down, but we look around and it seems like everybody around us has let us down. Maybe there was a a parent or a loved one or a friend or a neighbor that you trusted. You you hoped that they were going to pull through. But for whatever reason, they weren't there for you when you needed them most. Maybe they were dealing with their own addictions or their own problems or their own issues, but they were not there for you. And so you now live by this mantra, hey, if it's going to get done, I got to do it myself. And so you struggle with control. And you feel like everything is riding on your shoulders. You've got to perfect the world, perfect everything around you. But the reality is, is that as you're spinning all of these plates and you feel like it's all riding on you, finally the plates come crashing down and you get filled with anger. And so for some of us, anger has sucked the hope out of our hearts. We'd like to have hope. We'd like to see a light at the end of the tunnel, but so often... That light feels like an oncoming train. But that's why we're doing this sermon series called Hope. This sermon series is all about trying to find hope. And today we're going to focus on this idea that hope is real. And so the question we want to answer today is, how can I begin to experience real hope? How can we 
begin to experience real hope today. And to answer that question, we're going to go to the book of Luke. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, Gabriel the angel coming to Mary. But before we get into the details of the book of Luke, I want to talk about what it would have been like for an average Israelite about the time of, of Mary and Joseph and Jesus. What would it have been like for an average Israelite? Well, for the average Israelite, they felt forgotten. You see, God had promised for for hundreds of years that he was going to send a Messiah. That means anointed one, a Christ, the anointed one. He's going to send somebody to rule and get rid of their enemies. But for the last 600 years, the Israelites had been under enemy occupation. First, it was the big bad empire of Babylon. And then came in the empire of Persia. And then after the Persians came the Greeks. Alexander the Great swept through. And then after the Greeks, now the Romans. And they had been under enemy-occupied territory for, for so long, for over 600 years. And worse than that, it had been 400 years since God had sent any kind of prophet. The last book of Malachi was written 400 years before Mary, and they didn't hear anything else from God. And so they felt completely forgotten. And so they resonated with the words of the psalmist who said, Why, Lord, why do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemy? The Israelites said, where are you, God? Where are you? I feel forgotten. And so that sucked the hope out of their hearts. Now, some of them knew that the reason there was so much hopelessness and pain and suffering in their country, in their world, it was their own fault. Moses, over a thousand years earlier, Moses had told them to follow the Lord. And if they would follow the Lord, they would stay in the promised land. They would prosper. And they could see time and time after again, they had rejected God and gone after foreign gods of sex and power and money and all those things. And so they felt completely guilty and worthless and ashamed. And they would go to the temple day after day and present sacrifices before God of bulls and lambs and and, and sheep and goats and all these things. But they knew that no matter how many animals they sacrificed, it wouldn't take away the guilt and shame they felt. And it sucked the hope out of their hearts. And so finally, some of the Israelites said, I'm done with God. I'm done with all that. And they became people called the zealots. And they were zealous to take matters into their own hands. They were zealous to try to fight on their own terms, to control everything. And into this dark world, God spoke again. In the middle of this darkness, God sent the angel Gabriel. And that's what Luke tells us here. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now this verse is loaded with with hope or anticipation that God is at work again because God had promised the prophets that he was going to do something in Galilee. He was going to send a light into Galilee. God had promised through the prophets in Isaiah chapter 7 that that he was going to work in the life of a virgin to bring in Emmanuel into this world, God with us. 
And God had promised through the prophets that he was going to work through a descendant of David. David lived 900 years earlier. And so Luke is saying, God is up to something again. God is about to break into history. God is about to do something to bring us hope. This verse was to anticipate hope. And so we read, The angel went to Mary, her, and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. But Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, the angel Gabriel did everything in his power to make Mary feel welcomed and loved and secure and hopeful. The angel said, hello, you who are favored by God. God's happy with you. The Lord is with you. But Mary was pretty skeptical. She must have been wondering, I'm from a no-name city. I'm a no-name person. If God is looking for me, something must be up. And I don't think I'm ready. And I don't think I'm excited about anything God is going to ask me to do. And she must have been afraid. What is God going to ask of me? Now, some of you who struggle with fear and anxiety know what this feels like, right? I was speaking to to someone last week and she was explaining to me what it felt like to be filled with fear and anxiety. She says, you know what? Every day I'm just afraid of what God is going to ask of me. What is God going to ask of me? What is the the pain or the suffering that's around the corner? Uh, She told me that she feels like every day she feels like she's skydiving. Every day she feels like she's, she's in this plane, thousands of feet in the air, and God is asking her to jump every day. And she knows that it's a tandem parachuting event. She knows that God is behind her and, and God's the one who's going to be with her. But she just wonders, is he really going to pull that ripcord? Is the parachute really going to open up? And so if you're someone who struggles with fear and anxiety, listen to what the angel Gabriel said to Mary. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. Do not be afraid. The Lord is with you. Mary, God knows your name. He knows your address. He knows the the number of hairs on your head. God knows who you are. And yes, God is going to ask something of you. He's going to ask you to do something, but God is going to be with you the whole step, every step of the way. If God is going to ask you, if he's going to bring you to it, he's going to bring you through it. And some of us need to hear that today. That yes, God is going to ask something of us, but he knows your name. He knows your address. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows why you were put on this earth. And yes, he might ask some things of you, but he's going to be with you every step of the way, even though sometimes you don't sense it, don't feel it, you don't understand it. He knows your name. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, some of us were saying, well, I don't struggle necessarily with fear. I struggle with feeling of shame and worthlessness. I I don't feel like, like God would want to use me at all because I have nothing to offer God. Recently, I took a personality test and, and I came out uh, with this idea, I'm a, I'm a performer. That's the, the category I'm in. And my wife said, yeah, that's you. <laughs> and so for somebody like me, um, it's not so much that I feel like I'm in a plane ready to jump every day, but the feeling that you have to perform. 
that you have to somehow, every day there's a stage. And every day you have to work to get on that stage. And every day you have to work to be in the spotlight. Every day you have to do something to earn respect. And, in, and you have to do something to earn achievement and earn favor and earn your worth. Anyone feel like that? It sucks the hope out of your heart if you feel like you don't have any intrinsic value or worth. It sucks the hope from your heart. And if that's how you feel, listen to what Gabriel said next to Mary. Mary, you have found favor with God. Not you have earned favor with God. But you already have favor with God. God is already happy with you. Before you have Jesus, before you uh, carry this baby, before you become a mom, before you do anything to perform, just by being a human being, you have favor with God. I don't know about you, but I need to hear that every day. That before I achieve, before I perform, before I reach a goal, before I do anything, good or bad, we already have favor with God. We were made in God's image and just the fact that you are a human being gives you incredible intrinsic value and worth. Just being a human being gives you incredible value, intrinsic value and worth. And all that guilt and shame from all of our bad decisions that seems to stick to us Well, Mary's son, Jesus Christ, he lived, died, and rose to pay for all of that sin. And now you are a blood-bought child of God. You're precious in his eyes. God's happy with you. You found favor with God. And so you can get off off the stage. You don't have to live in the spotlight anymore. You can shine the spotlight on Jesus and make your life about serving him and serving people without needing any kind of approval from anybody else because you're already approved by God. You can step out of the spotlight. But for some of us, we don't struggle necessarily with with maybe fear or shame, but control. For some of us, it's not that we're on a plane and we have to jump out of the plane, or, or it's not that we're struggling to get on the stage. For some of us, we feel like every day we got to get behind the wheel. That we need to be in the driver's seat. Because, you know, if our hands aren't clenched around the steering wheel, this car is going to go off the road. If we're not in control, um, you know, we're not, definitely not going to find the most efficient way to get to where we're going, right? That we have to, have to control everything because if we're not controlling it, who is? Who's going to take care of us? But that's exhausting and it strips hope from our heart. And and if that's how you feel, if you feel like you have to be in control, you have to do everything, everything's riding on you, well, listen to the last words that Gabriel says to Mary. Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary, he's going to be great, so you don't have to be. Uh, Mary, um, he is the one who's going to reign and rule, so you don't have to be in control. And his kingdom is going to outlast you. It's going to last forever. And some of us need to hear that today. That, that, That Jesus, 
lived, died, rose, and then ascended on high and sits on the throne, and he's in charge, so you don't have to. You don't have to be in charge. In fact, you can take the passenger seat. Jesus is taking the wheel, to quote the theologian Carrie Underwood, right? In fact, you don't just need to be in, in the passenger seat. You can take the back seat and take a rest, right? Because he is in control. And wouldn't that be great if that were true? Wouldn't it be great if, if this hope was real, that we actually could be excited about jumping out every day and seeing what God has in store with us and that he's going to be with us. God, well, let's go, let's jump. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to obsess about being in the spotlight and we could just shine the light on Jesus and help people? And wouldn't that be so much fun to be able to realize I'm not in control. I don't have to, to tightly grip the steering wheel that I can, I can relax. Wouldn't that just give us hope? Wouldn't that be great? But Mary asks, asks the question that's all on our minds, is it real? And she says, what well, we're all thinking, she says, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Mary knows where babies come from. And she's, she's saying, how could I have a child? I'm a virgin. And, and on top of that, how could I have a child that's God, who's holy? And then on top of that, how could my child, um, somebody like me, who's a no-name person from a no-name town, Without a husband yet, how could that child rule over the world? Nobody has ruled in Israel in 600 years. How could this be? This makes no sense. That sounds great, but it sounds like a delusion. And maybe that's how some of us feel today, that Christianity is just a delusion. It's just something to get me through the day, but who knows if it's true or not? Who knows if this is real or not? Can I really jump? Can I really put the spotlight on somebody else? Can I really take my hands off the wheel? Is this real? Well, listen to how Gabriel answers her. And the angel answered her, well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. For nothing will be impossible with God. Gabriel's saying, you're right, this is impossible, but the Holy Spirit will come inside of you and make this happen. And God the Father, the, the Holy One, he will overshadow you. And so the one who is going to be born is holy and he is going to make you holy. The reason you can have real hope is because it rests on the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Most High God, and the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And that's why you can have hope too. It doesn't rest on you at all. It's not about you. It's not up to our control. It's not up to our performance. It's not up to us at all. It's, it's Jesus who did it. The real God, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus, who was really born in a manger, who really lived for you, died for you, rose for you. The reason it's 2019 is because it's been 2019 years since his birth. He divides history. He's real. And so the reason you can have hope is because your hope, our hope, has a heartbeat. Jesus Christ. If you're filling in the blanks, that's our fill in the blank. Our hope is real because our hope has a heartbeat.
It's Jesus Christ. It's not an idea. It's not a religion. It's not a philosophy. It's not wishful thinking. It's not a delusion. It's in a person who has a heartbeat. And Mary got that. She started to believe this good news. She started to have hope. She realized this isn't a delusion. It's a, it's a big news. It's hard to believe, but, but it's real. And so Mary opened up her arms like a child opened up his arms at, at Christmas and, and received this gift. She received it and, and it changed everything for her. In fact, she said it this way. She said, I am the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. Let everything you've said happen to me. I'm the Lord's servant. Let everything you've said happen to me. You know, you can have a a gift underneath your your Christmas tree, but it does you no good until you open it. You can have a real gift under there, but it does you no good until you open it. And that's what Mary did. She she received the gift that God was offering, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, she opened it. She said, I'm the Lord's servant. Whatever you want to do, God, just do what you said you were going to do. And I want us to follow her example by the power of the Holy Spirit to follow her example. So here's the takeaway. Open the gift of hope. Open the gift of hope. Don't let it just sit underneath the Christmas tree. Open the gift of hope. And how do we do that? Well, in a few moments, we're going to pray. And usually when we pray, we kind of pray with this posture Our hands clenched. And that's pretty good advice, especially if you have children, because if your hands are clenched, you can't poke your brother while you're praying, right? And so it's not a bad idea to to pray like this. But but your posture matters. And and so there's this writer named Bob Goff, and he's also a lawyer and a Christian. And he says when he does negotiations as a, a lawyer, he would have his clients, even if it's under the table, he would have them have their palms open and up. Because you couldn't negotiate um, with, with love if your hands are like that. But, it, but if your hands are open, you're, you're open to receive whatever, whatever God is going to give. And he says, that's how I pray. In fact, the, the ancient Hebrews, they would pray with their arms lifted up, waiting and expecting blessing. Would we do something like that this morning? In a moment when we pray, uh, would you, you don't have to put your arms up, but, you know, it might, might not feel comfortable doing that. But maybe could you at least do this? When we pray, would you just Put your palms open and up like a child receiving a Christmas gift and receive by the power of the Holy Spirit what God wants to offer to you. See, because the hope is real. The hope is real and God wants you to receive it. Mary was real. Jesus really was born of a virgin, really was born and laid in a manger. Jesus really lived for you and died for you and rose for you. He really sits on high and he is in control. And now God wrapped up that gift and placed it in a manger and he's giving it to you. By the power of the Holy Spirit, would you receive that gift and open it up? Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that we're here this morning. We know that some of us here feel forgotten and invisible, Lord God. Where have you been? Sometimes we feel like you don't know our name and we've cried out to you and it feels like you're not listening, Lord God. Show us that you know our name. Speak to our hearts the words you spoke to Mary. Do not be afraid that you are with us, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you would convince us 
that we can follow you, that we can jump every day, the wild ride of life, and you are going to be with us. You are going to pull that cord. You are going to be with us every step of the way, Lord God. Lord God, some of us here, we think that every day we have to perform to earn your favor, to get value in this world, and we are exhausted. Lord God, Take away all of that emptiness, all of that worthlessness, all of that shame and guilt, and help us to receive what you said to Mary. You already have favor with God. You have found favor with God, not earned favor, that we are valuable. Just being a human being, we are valuable, Lord God. Fill our hearts with hope. And Lord God, our, for some of us here, our, our hands are just tired from wrapping around the steering wheel of life. We want to hold on and control and we're exhausted and we don't know the next way to turn. And so, Lord God, we are open to your control. We submit to you, Lord God. Take the wheel and lead us in the direction you want us to go and then give us the confidence to know that, that you have good plans for us and you are the one in the driver's seat. Lord God, this year when so many people feel hopeless, when, when hope has been sucked out of our hearts, Lord God, we pray right now that you would place in our hands the gift, the gift of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.